Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. The show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at Patreon.com/slash I Love That Movie. And if you sign up, you get a weekly bonus episode of everything else I'm watching that week. We've also got a lot of really good interviews on there. We've covered Loki, we've covered The Mandalorian, we've covered uh, WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so a lot of fun on that side. Uh, and I want to take a moment to thank my top patrons, and they are Chris Balga, Jeff Whitman, Philip Barker, and Michael Cross. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. And guys, if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate this show. It does help new listeners find us. Well, I've got a returning guest here today. I have my dad. Say hi, dad. Hi, dad. <laughs> hi, uh, Tony. Um, so, so, dad, uh, this is... How many times have you been on the show? Quite a few over the years, right? Yeah, about four or five times. Yeah. So I always, um, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell a little bit about yourself? or Sure, I can. Okay. Uh, I, uh, my name is Tony. I am of retirement age, so I go way back. And the movie we're going to go over today, uh, I actually saw at the movie theater because uh, it came out in 1985. And I was Two years to... after I was born. <laughs> there you go. And, and of course, uh, I'm a big fan of Clint Eastwood and for many reasons, and especially his Westerns. Um, and I'm a big fan of many, many genres of movies, but a, a Western, especially the Clint Eastwood type, they call them spaghetti Westerns and other, other names, but they're, they're different, they're unique, and I love them, and I'm happy to be doing this, uh, this review uh, of, of this movie. So, so Dad, you know, my guest always picks the movie. What movie did you choose to talk about today? We've teased it, but what, what's the title? It's Pale Rider, and it's uh, I confused two movies that uh, Clint Eastwood made. He made us several years apart, but one one of them is Pale Rider, and the other one is um, the other one is called High Plains Drifter. So I I tend to confuse High Plains Drifter and Pale Rider because it's practically the same character and oh, okay. they have the same kind of um mystical and when did that, quality when did that movie come out let me let me see if i can see it here i've got i've got the cover here i've actually got a dvd and what was it called again plane oh i'm sorry high plains drifter high plains 1973 so okay so from 73 to 85 and it's yeah. uh, it's pretty much the same character, two different stories, but I'm going to make reference to it. That's why I wanted to bring it up a little bit. But 
So okay, one, yeah, the, that one was we're... also directed by Clint Eastwood, it looks like. Yes, he directed it, and he directed himself in it, because he's the main uh, main star or, or protagonist, and he does a good job directing himself, obviously, because he's made a lot of money. And right. he's loved by so many people, including myself. So, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, so, um, yeah, you know, I, I want to let our guests know that if you haven't heard one of these episodes before, we will talk spoilers. So I would really recommend pausing and watching this movie. I actually saw it for free on Tubi. So if you have that uh, that app, go and check it out on there. I've actually used that a few times for a few movies. So a good free resource. Um, but here is the synopsis of Pale Rider. Uh, when property owner Coy LaHood starts using a band of hooligans to terrorize a group of small-town gold miners into giving up their territory, an enigmatic man named Preacher arrives in town. Preacher fends off the attacks and goes directly to LaHood to negotiate. When the miners, led by Hull, refuse the terms, LaHood sends in Marshall Stockburn to take down Preacher and the others. Okay. So typical Western story. Again, we've mentioned a couple times, directed by Clint Eastwood. I think this is the first movie, though, that we've covered that was directed by him. Okay. Because, I mean, we've we've talked, um, I, I think, we've covered at least one of the, uh, you know, Fistful of Dollars trilogy, at least once. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know that we've talked about a movie that specifically Clint Eastwood himself directed. But obviously this movie, um, I, I read online that this kind of marked the return of his kind of man with no name, la- nameless drifter type character. He hadn't done that in a while, I think since 1973. Yeah, good info. Yeah, I, I also read that, you know, kind of like in a lot of the other movies he's done like this, we never actually learn Preacher's name. Uh, according to trade paper variety, the preacher is is dubbed because he, you know, he's initially wearing a clerical collar, but we never really find out that much more about him that's right that's and, right. and last oh go ahead i wanted to say that i want to discuss that when we when, when we get to it discuss about this man uh gunslinger slash preacher is yeah. he really a preacher or is he really a, a human anymore is he resurrected did he die is he a ghost in some of mm. the, uh, the i listened to a podcast on this and they called him a ghost the whole way through. They're convinced that he, he is oh, a ghost. Oh, that's kind of cool. I, I hadn't thought about it with that lens, but I can definitely see it. And then, you know, you, you mentioned this This reminded you of High Plains Drifter. It's also largely considered a remake uh, by some uh, as a as the classic, you know, Shane movie. Yes, I mentioned, mm-hmm. I, I heard them mention that. A remake of Shane and also of something called Missionary Man. And I don't know, I'm not familiar well, with that I've never movie. seen that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to have to look for Missionary Man and see. They, they're calling this a remake of Missionary Man and, of course, also of Shane. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's just it's it's a plot that has come up a couple times in classic Westerns. And I think this is kind of unique, right? Because I don't think there's a ton of Westerns that were made in, in the 80s. Is that right? I you know I don't know that information, but I do know that Ebert called this he says uh, that it is a traditional Western with a story that has been told in one form or another a thousand times before. But then he goes on to call it a classic Western and say yeah. that it is a very good Western. Yeah. Well, do you are you familiar with the cast at all? Like, are some, do some of these names besides Clint Eastwood himself stand out to you? There's only one. No, no. Actually, in this particular movie, I was not familiar 
with anybody else. I have to look them all up because I really yeah, I, do not I didn't remember know them. About them. Yeah. Richard they, Keel is the only one that looked familiar to me. Which one? Richard Keel. Because like wasn't oh, yes. he Jaws and Moonraker? <laughs> and yes. he's also in he's also in Happy Gilmore. Um so I remember him from that. But yeah. <laughs> he he appears in many movies, but it seems like it's only cameos when he appears. Well, he's so interesting looking. I feel like he's hired for that mainly. <laughs> and since he's seven foot tall. Yeah, yeah. You know, he fits that. Yeah, I remember him in James Bond and pretty much playing the same role, you know, just a big yeah. guy. Right. Right, right. And I didn't really recognize the daughter uh, who I think is played by Sydney Penny. Sydney Penny, yes. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really recognize her. I guess it looks like she's from like the Thornbirds and All My Children, but a little yes. before my time, I wasn't really watching things like that. And then um, her mother is played by Carrie Snodgrass, who it looks like, uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't recognize a lot of things that she's from either. So I kind of like, this is one of those movies where I was going to ask you that because, you know, the time that it came out in, sometimes that's the reason why I don't know a lot of the names. Um, but in this one, yeah, I just didn't. <laughs> yeah, you were too young at the time. But yeah. I did recognize her, they, her name is Sarah. Um, Megan's uh, mother is Sarah. Yeah. And I recognize her face. Just... Yes, but I didn't recognize, I don't remember where I saw her, what movies she's been in. Yeah, and, maybe it was like on TV or something too, you know? Yeah, and they've both been on a lot of TV shows, it, according to the credits. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's usually the transition, especially back then, was like TV and then movies, but... Yeah, okay. Well, I just kind of wanted to, to pick your brain on that. I, I noticed, too, that it wasn't written by Clint Eastwood. It was written by Michael Butler and Dennis Shirak. I kind of yes. wondered watching it. I was like, did did you know, did he write it? But I guess he didn't. <laughs> I don't know that he... Does he do any of his own writing, or does he just pick good you know, stories? I'm not sure. I just sometimes, when somebody puts their character sort of at the focal point like that, I always, like, assume they also wrote it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. a sort of a stereotype, but yeah, I'd, maybe not. I'd have to probably research that. I, I don't know, because I haven't seen a lot of his later films. Um, you know, I've liked a couple of them, but I haven't watched like the most recent ones, so I don't know. Okay. But okay, so I guess we can kind of skip that part. I guess we should kind of dive more into the movie then. Did you want to talk about, you know, behind the scenes or, or do you want to just talk about the scenes in the film? Yeah, let's just go into the scenes and we'll okay. discuss it as it comes along. Okay, I'll let you start. Okay, well, the beginning um, the beginning of the movie when you see the raid of these hooligans uh, yeah. through the mining camp, I thought that was interesting. It sets the stage for what's going to happen, of course. And then um, I thought it was an interesting way that, that they introduced the main character, and that's when the young girl, Megan, is uh, her dog has been killed in that raid. She buries it, and she, as she's sitting there burying her dog. She's quoting the 23rd Psalm, but she interjects her own thoughts. Mm. And like she says, um, uh, but I need a miracle now. But I want to live in this life now. I want to see more of this life. And mm. if if we don't get that miracle, we're all going to die. And so that kind of sets the stage, and when she's home talking to her mother, she's reading a uh, passage of scripture in the in Revelation, where he talks about 
the the different horses the different horses of the apocalypse yeah and the uh, pale pale horse comes up and the pale rider comes up and as it come as as she's reading who shows up Clint Eastwood shows up on a pale horse a pale man himself and it kind of is a very good introduction and it sets the stage okay yeah now later when he comes out for dinner with wearing a priest collar um, or clerical collar. Uh, I I wasn't when I first saw this movie. I wasn't sure what they were shooting at or what they were going for. And and if you see the whole movie, as you have, um, the question is: Is he a preacher or is he a gunslinger? And in my opinion, he's a gunslinger. He was never a preacher. I agree. I was going to ask you that. Okay, I'm going to yeah. interject some my own thoughts here really quick. Sure. A couple okay. things. I remember you quoting this movie a lot growing up, but okay. I think, you know, when I was a kid, I was stubborn and like, again, like when I was growing up for a long time, uh, Westerns were not really cool anymore. They were like, that's what your dad and your grandpa watches, which is literally <laughs> what you watched. <laughs> and exactly. so to me, it was like uncool. So like for a long time, I didn't really pay attention to this genre. And I think it's a, it's very, it's a very weak genre for a lot of people my age and younger because of that. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so I, I forgot to say that at the top that I hadn't really seen this all the way through. But the other thing I was thinking watching it is um, this is like this is such a tangent, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, so I've been I've been watching like a lot of anime lately um, and sort of being overly nostalgic. And there was this anime that I loved that was a classic. And, and for some reason, like, you know, you've got your Cowboy Bebops and your other shows that are very popular still but this show was a was an apocalyptic sci-fi western okay and it was um it was called trigun and there's a character in in trigun who is a preacher mm. and uh he walks around with this giant cross like and then later it's revealed he's got a bunch of guns in there <laughs> and he's really a gunslinger but it it kind of you know it, it was an anime and it kind of had the same sort of feel of like the, um, the main character too is like this gunslinger but it's like where does he come from and is he really human and you know it has some of those questions so anyway I was thinking about that watching this <laughs> but yeah. I agree too that um, and they must have borrowed clearly from this movie but um, especially the preacher character but um, I, I definitely had that thought too that he was wearing the clerical collar as sort of like a, a disguise and mm -hmm. hoping to have a low profile but eventually the bad guy is like I know who that guy is I thought he was dead but he's back, you know. Exactly, exactly. And uh, also something that they mentioned about a preacher during this time, during that time, it's supposed to be like 1865 and over. It's after the Civil War, and it's during the gold rush, right? Okay, and, yeah, and yeah, I know for sure it's during the gold rush. And during that time, you had several iconic figures in that um, society. The yeah. sheriff, the marshal, the, uh, the, the, the soldiers from the Civil War, the uh, generals, um, the preacher, the banker, the sheriff, they all were looked at at a certain, they were, they were leaders in the community. Mm -hmm. And this preacher does not fit right here. <laughs> he does not yeah. fit as a preacher. And he, they respect him, but they respect him for several reasons. He speaks, you notice that his, 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 um, uh, his lines are very brief. 
He lets mm -hmm. everybody else kind of work. He's never forced to bring up a battle. He only responds and reacts to it. But also he is, is very quiet, very silent, but very definitely a strong man, but not a preacher. Because even in other movies that he has made, for example, uh, the other one I mentioned, Lone uh, High Plains Drifter, there's a preacher there in that one. And he's just the typical Western style preacher. He's not a brave man. He's not a, uh, he, he's, he's just not what this preacher is. That's right. Like preachers are usually not intimidating. Exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. And, and it's like, he's very intimidating. And, you know, Sarah, uh, the mother right away is like, he's a killer. We need to get him out of here. Um, oh, oh, yeah. which becomes like a very big reveal later. But in the beginning, we think she just kind of sees through his charade. Exactly. She reads him right away. And I think she reads him right. I think that he's not a preacher. He doesn't act like a preacher. He is a moral man. You know, a lot of the, the uh, uh, synopsis and uh, plot things that I read talk about him being a very black and white. This is right. This is wrong. He believes in um, uh, uh, the right should prevail. These are good mm -hmm. people. Those are bad people. But he doesn't preach. He doesn't but teach. But he, he sort of too, like if he is a gunslinger, I feel like he's the kind that's like turned over a new leaf, which also reminds me of the show I was talking about and a very popular theme in those type of shows where there's some sort of killer, whether he be like a samurai or something. And it's like, now he's in this phase of his life where he's extremely peaceful and just because he had a bad history. Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of how I read this character, too. Like, yeah, he's good now because of his past, I thought. Yes. And, you know, uh, which brings, brings me to this conclusion, uh, that this story, this whole story, if you were to say, what is this story really about? Um. I think that Pale Rider is a, is a revenge story. Here's mm. a man who was wronged the worst way you can be wronged. He was murdered. Yeah. And he comes back. And he I, has... I guess I never noticed that ghost aspect of it of like, what if he's like not really even alive because he literally died? Huh. Anyway. Yeah. Yes. I thought that was interesting too, because I feel that it has a, a sense of the supernatural and you know me. I, when I see a movie, it has to have some sort of rhyme or reason so that yeah. I can be able to play along. Otherwise, I can't play along. Um, either they're aliens or there's there's magic involved, which magic to me would be in supernatural. And then yeah. there is the um, religious supernatural and there is the ghost supernatural, if you will. And that for me answers questions. For example, well, and, and I mean, this this movie kind of lets you have your cake and eat it, too. Either he's a ghost or he's not. They just thought he was dead. Yes, I, exactly. I thought about that, too. Uh, I was surprised at how how convinced these two guys on this podcast that I listened to were convinced that he is a ghost. But I think there is a little bit of room for him to have been shot and left for dead. And mm -hmm. yet. He survives and comes back, but he's got six especially back in the day. You know, it's like, I mean, medical advancements not being what they are today. It's like, you know what yes. I mean? Like, there's not really somebody like watching you, making sure you're dead. You know, trying everything to save you. It's not like he went to a hospital, so it's like they could have just left him there and he just miraculously came back. 
Yes, I, I like that when it's open-ended that way. Now, there's sometimes I get a little upset when they don't give it a definite ending. But in this case, <laughs> I liked it. I, I thought this is a good thing. And then, see, in this, in this, at the very end of this movie, and of course, now we're all over the place here, but That's at, fine. The, at the very end when he's leaving, he doesn't disappear. In the mm. other movie, in High Plains Drifter, he kind of does blend into the horizon and yeah. you can't see him anymore. And also there's another definite thing in that movie where somebody is working on a stone, a gravestone. Mm. And he says to Clint as he's leaving, he says, uh, you never told me your name. He says, I don't know what your name is. And, he, and he, the character, uh, Clint's character says, yes, you do. And he just uh, rides away. And mm. then you see the tombstone and the name, he was a marshal that was killed. And the people of the town didn't help him. And he came back for revenge. In this one, Pale Rider. Oh. Yes, yes. See, that's, that's why I confused the two. In this one, Pale Rider, you don't get any of that backstory. Yeah. You don't get a lot of those. You well, know, I got to watch of, the other one. <laughs> yes, you should. Because if you like Pale Rider, you'll love the other one. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, High Plains Drifter. So anyway, let's go back and pick up wherever we we can. So I'm, you know me, I'm terrible at chronological order. So do you want me to just say the couple of things I thought while watching it? Yeah, yeah, that'd okay. be fine. So a couple of things, um, lending credence to the ghost idea. You know, the girl plays prays for a miracle. He shows up. She has a a moment where she's you know automatically in love with him. Well, yeah, because he's like the only new person in town. Like, you know, to her, I'm sure she's like, oh, he's so amazing. I'm in love with him. She just met him. But, you know, yeah. she's 14 and any new face, I'm sure she'd fall in love with. But, you know, he's very like distant. And some of that's because she's so young. But I think also it, it lends credence to the idea that he's not really there all the way. But then <laughs> later there's that big reveal, right, with his mom, with her mom, where she was a former lover of his. Is did I hear that right in the movie? Not a former lover. She was interested in him. She oh, was attracted okay. to him. And she was not attracted to Hall. Hall was a good well, man, yeah. but this was a strong man. This Oh, writer, okay. Even, I thought that the, they had a former relationship. And that's why, no. like, in the beginning when she was like, get him out of here, blah, blah, blah. She was secretly like, oh, that's the guy that broke my heart. No, not at all. Okay, okay, okay. I don't. I, I. I didn't see that. I still don't. I don't believe that that happened. Okay, what happened okay. is, the Megan sees him as a strong, good man, and here he is. He's the answer to her prayer. He is her miracle. So now she's ready to fall in love, and you know everything for this man. Yeah, everybody wants to fall in love with him. <laughs> right, and then of course his mother. She likes him for a different. Well, it's pretty much the same reason. He's a strong man. He's a good man, but... Well, that, that's who I'm talking about, the mother. I thought that the mother had a previous relationship with him. No, no, she did okay. not. And 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 the young daughter, of course, didn't either. But the young daughter falls in love with him because he's good, he's strong, and, and he can protect them all. And he's like the only new game in town. He, well, yes. Like, and... To me, like, anytime a new person arrives, they're going to be like the most excited person there. Yes, that's that could be, that could be also. And then, of course... Um, the mother, Sarah, she, again, as I was talking about, Ho, Ho was a good man, but he wasn't a strong man. He couldn't protect them. 
You know, a lot mm -hmm. of bad things yeah. were happening, and now they all have to leave pretty much. And but this guy, here comes this pale rider, and he's very powerful. Just just yeah. So she's like, I need to put, place my bets on this guy instead. Yeah, I get that. But she, but remember what she says to him. She says, "I can't go with a man that will leave, and you look like the kind of man that would leave." And he says, "Yes, that's right." Yeah, that's true. He's like, and that's the that's you know the ultimate macho Western hero is a guy that never sticks around for the woman. Right. <laughs> that's right. like a trope, you know. And in this case, if he's a ghost, yeah, he really can't stick around. Right. He can't. <laughs> he can't be a, a husband for Megan, and he can't be a husband for Sarah because he's not going to be around. Yeah, and I mean, that's always like a more exciting Western hero, right? Like, if they just kind of like settle down and start a family, it's not as exciting as like a lone gunslinger who travels around, you know. This is true, but if you the rest remember of life. the Unforgiven or Unforgiven. Oh, yeah, true. There, there are exceptions. Settle. Yeah, he did settle and mm -hmm. he was a, a family man and then his wife died. And then he yeah. goes after the reward. But yeah. But again, yes. there's always some storyline that prevents them from being happy <laughs> Exactly, it's like <laughs> because Batman. it's more interesting yeah yeah like Batman getting married you don't you don't yeah you're like ah, I'm losing interest <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh no you're pulling a me mentioning Batman in every episode uh oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah go on to your next point that you were I, I think that was pretty much it those were the okay. two things that stood out the most to me but obviously I misinterpreted one of them which is fine I tend to do that you know when you've only seen the movie once sometimes you're like did I mishear that? But anyway, go ahead. What, what's another scene that you really connect with? My favorite line uh, is when they tell him, they tell him to leave, to go somewhere else and do his preaching elsewhere with more people. And mm -hmm. he says something to the effect of, um, he says, well, um, I hate to leave because uh, seeing that uh, there are so many sinners to take care of right here. <laughs> and the reason I like that line is because uh, his idea of taking care of them was not the <laughs> traditional idea of yeah. a preacher taking care of them. It was eliminating them. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. so that was that was really cool. Um, I like that. He has a lot of very good lines if you listen to the lines that he gives. Like like at one point, um, what's his name? Coy, um, the, the main character, the main villain, the guy that owns the town. Oh he yeah, says, he says that uh, these these uh, squatters are in the way of progress and prosperity, and mm -hmm. and Clint Eastwood says, uh, "Whose prosperity, yours or theirs?" And so he, <laughs> you know, he, he makes him think. He's he's um, he's full of quotes that, yeah. that are very poignant. You know, is the bad guy's name Stockburn or uh, or you no, said I think, I think I think that's the Marsh Marshall. Oh, okay. Okay. The um the the name of the man that um oh what's his name I for, I forget his name but the bad guy I'm terrible in movies at remembering everyone's name so yeah, don't feel owns, bad yeah there's not you know there's not that many characters in this particular one I just can't and they don't say their names that often so it's not that memorable right right now what about the tragic uh, man spider Conway who gets oh. uh, gets murdered, really, by the sheriff and his posse. For standing up to them. For that, standing that up seemed, to them. Yeah. yeah, he got drunk. He talked a little too much. But you notice that they don't take his gold. Mm -hmm. They kill him, and they leave him there, laying there with his gold. And this that's a big chunk of gold. 
I guess it's a message that they don't have to. I think so. And, of course, they're being paid by the bad guy. Um, yeah. Because he is um, he's paying them pretty much to do. They're hired killers is what they are. Yeah. And it's like I do. It made me think back on the on the part of the movie where they're breaking that rock and all the gold comes out, which, again, makes him seem like a ghost or like an angel or something. Right. Like helping them yes. do that right away when they were never able to before. But I was I felt awkward when they're like celebrating. Oh, look, we found gold. I'm like, man, I wouldn't be like advertising that. <laughs> well, it's like, of course, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But of course, they uh they're so excited they can't help yeah. themselves. And, and kind of naive. I think yeah. the whole family, you know, they're just regular people. They're not gunslingers like the main character. Right. La Hood is the name of the bad guy. Okay, okay. La Hood and the Marshal is, is Stockburn. Okay, okay. So that's the two names. Um, yeah, I thought it was real sad how when they killed the man right in front of his sons, you know, here he finally, he finally finds some gold. He finally makes his dream come true. And then he gets drunk and gets killed. And yeah. it was so unnecessary. But I think they did that just to show us how bad kind of they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of people these are. And now they've made them larger than life. Mm-hmm. Perfect for the good guy to come back and eliminate them. Well, and, you know, uh, Clint Eastwood kind of tells the town, right, that they need to, like, be strong together. They can't do that. Just, like, go one at a time confronting the bad guys. Right, he, he says he shouldn't have gone to town alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but you but know, again, they're kind of like simple people, and they don't really they haven't had this experience of what's happening to them because of the gold. So they're kind of naive. Exactly, they're not gunslingers. They're not gunfighters. Yeah. they're just they're just simple folk. And one of the things that that uh, I read in one of the synopsis was that it, they give credit to the preacher for uniting them and making them strong and making them fight. But that's not really true. That's not really accurate. <laughs> you know you know who did that? It was Hall who told them. Uh, well, he's always sell- kind of getting overshadowed, you know, even yeah. by his own love interest, so. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. But he, he tells them, do not, you wouldn't give up. You know what, they're buying your dignity. They're not buying you out. He says, yeah. they're going to chase us out. He says, what's the next step? So right. he takes it to a logical conclusion. He says, mm-hmm. right now, you know, if they give you $100, if they give you $1,000, how much will you give, would you give in for next time? And he makes them all think. And they decide to stay, but that still doesn't make them strong. They, they still can't really do it. Yeah. It, because no, if you I notice that, that at the very end, who kills all the bad guys? It's one man that kills them all. Just one, except for Hall. Hall walks all the way from wherever it is Clint Eastwood left him. And he comes over and he shoots La Hood mm-hmm. because La Hood's about to shoot the preacher, who, by the way, cannot even die. Right, right, right. Because he's already dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, oh, I hadn't thought of that. So any any questions that you might have? None yet. I mean, um, I, I don't think so. Were there other other scenes? Oh, you know what? We haven't talked about that scene with the, the daughter where she gets attacked. Oh yeah. You got to have that traditional Western scene where a woman is being attacked and, <laughs> and the hero shows man. up at the last second with a gun. Right. Such, such a, such a male fantasy. I think <laughs> you exactly. know, that you're out here saving men, women, and children. That's um, why we love John Wayne. He was always saving yeah. a damsel in distress. Uh huh. 
Yeah, and, and the daughter kind of again. I, I keep coming. I keep saying this, but the townsfolk are a little bit naive, and she was kind of like, "I'm just going to get on this horse and go wherever I want." It's like, uh. but she gets saved, and so she's okay. And thank goodness. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because that that girl plays a very big role in this whole movie. She's she's at the very beginning and she's at the very end. True. Yeah, you know, I feel like the, she's like the. You know, pure of heart, you know, um, mm-hmm. she wished for a miracle. The miracle came. And so she kind of ties the whole movie together with her presence. Yes. But the motive of the preacher to me was always, here's a man, here's a story of revenge. Yeah. He was murdered unjustly. He comes back. And if you'll notice, uh, this was pointed out in one of the synopsis, that the pattern in, in how he kills the marshal. He shoots mm. him in the same pattern of bullets, and then he puts a bullet in, in his forehead at the end. Ooh. But he, he shoots six bullets all the mm. way around his C-section of his chest, and then he puts a bullet in his, in, his, um, in his head, and then he's done. This is This is why he really came back. I feel like that's what made this a little different to me than like older Western films is that death was very graphic to me for a Western, yes. you know, it's well, very and, violent. And of course, all of his movies are kind of like that. There's a lot of shootings, yeah. but he, yeah, but uh, this one was like so up close. Like I feel like in older Westerns, people are shot. You don't really see it. It's off screen. You could tell this movie's in the eighties because they just show everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I really like this movie. I do. I um I could watch it. Revenge plots are always times. fun. Yes. And he gets revenge at the end. Big yeah. Time. Yeah. So. I've really grown to love Westerns. I've talked about that a lot on this show that that felt like a genre that I really missed out on. And so this podcast has kind of given me an opportunity to go back and watch a lot of those things and other podcasts I've been on as well. So I've seen a lot of classics by this point and can say that I, I really like the genre. I miss it. I feel that the sci-fi genre has sort of taken that spot in the almost yes. all the new westerns we get are science fiction, but I'm okay with that because it's sort of just a different retelling. It's the new frontier, as like yes, like they would say in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It really is, and it has some of the same elements. Yeah. Fact, yeah. Didn't Spielberg do a movie called Cowboys and Aliens? Yeah, yeah, he Daniel did. Craig but I mean, I'm Denver. thinking of like Star Wars is essentially, a, you know, yes, a Western. Yes, and and yes. especially the newer Star Wars that we're watching now, it's like almost always in a desert, like the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett and stuff. So, oh, yeah, which you I know, and too. yeah, and, and we've had some good modern Westerns as well. There was a movie that came out a couple of years ago called Hell or High Water. Oh, really good. Definitely recommend. So there, there have been some, but. You know, they're not, it's not the genre that it used to be. So you kind of have to go back to the classics to watch them. And yeah, when I saw that this was in 1985, I just thought that was unique. I was like, oh, okay. So we're not looking at like the 60s, 70s. Well, I, I guess then, I guess, are we at the end of this here? Are you, have you said all your facts that you? I probably didn't say everything I wanted to say, but that's all I can uh, think of or remember. <laughs> well, that's and the problem we all have, especially me, this, apparently. But um, well, that brings me to my last couple of questions. Then, as we wrap sure. up here, um, why why do you return to this movie? You know, why did you quote it a lot? Why did you why do you watch it so many times? Why do you own it? I think I think number one, I like it, plain and simple. And number two, I like the mystique 
uh, that I think is what is able to accomplish yeah. in his character. So he's, he's always mysterious, and his acting is very, um, very subtle. Mm-hmm. Very, um, it's not real animated. Yeah, he's and not. Yet, I mean, he's manly, but he's not like the traditional before him. You know, like he's not John Wayne, right? He's not John Wayne. That's he's, right. he's such a different version um, that was like unique to him, and it was so cool and so so different. Um, and he he kind of dominated with that presence for a long time. To where now it's like people want to emulate what he's doing. Um, but yeah, I agree. And and he's no Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson right. had his own style. Mm-hmm. John Wayne had his own style. Some of the other characters that were big, um, you know, like uh, in Gunsmoke, what's his name? Uh, um, the, the sheriff Gunsmoke. and the rifleman. Um, Chuck Connors and the rifleman. Um, what's his name? And uh, Gunsmoke was Matt um, Dillon. Matt Dillon. Okay. Matt Dillon. Really I just Googled Gunsmoke because I've never seen that. <laughs> okay. It's a little before my time. Yeah, it's a lot before your yeah, time. Yeah, the 50s <laughs> to the 70s. Yeah. Man, that ran so, for a long time, 1955 to 1975. That, that is a long time. And but, but when Clint Eastwood did the first Spaghetti Western, I think he kind of reinvented the For Western. sure. To where some people yeah. don't like that version. Like, they're like, it's not as, like, manly. Because he, he isn't. He's, like, he's kind of weird. He's kind of an outsider. He's different, yes. you know. And he's he's kind of a slight person. He's not, like, a big strong tough dude and he's very soft-spoken he's a little weird it's it is very different but he he you know invented like a a new version of a cool rugged western guy so yes yes and 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 i like that so that that answers part of that question as well it's his character his his way of doing it there's there's several other ones in fact there's some funny ones that he's done not 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 uh, not comedy funny but like uh there's one called Two Mules for Sister Sarah. Mm. And that is uh, a same, he plays the same character. See, it's about the same time, except in this case, I think it's uh, the revolution in Mexico. Oh, and he okay. runs into this nun who at the end turns out to not be a nun at all. Oh. And it's, it's by that woman. What's her name out on the limb? Um, I forget her name, but she is really a good character. Uh, but it's called Two Mules for Sister Sarah. Okay, okay. And so that's that's kind of a lighter lighter um, western, mm-hmm. but yet it's good. It's very good. Plenty of bombs, plenty of cigars. Oh, Shirley MacLaine. That's who you're talking Shirley MacLaine. She's yeah. excellent in that movie. Yeah. But yeah. So okay. Now, what well, how, going back? Was that the yeah. question? Or? Yeah. I mean, I think you 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 answered that. But okay. what what do you think? Uh, how would you pitch this to someone that's never seen this movie before? I would say. See this movie. It's a western. It's Clint Eastwood. It's difficult. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah. And he, his character is a big question mark. And I won't tell you what, how it ends. And I want I want to discuss it with you after you see the movie because there's some questions that I like to discuss. And one of the questions would be, was he really a man? Was he really alive? Did he survive the murder attempt, or was he a ghost? Right. Right. And, yeah, and I was think he that's ever a good a hook. preacher. Yeah, was and he was he ever a yeah. preacher? Yeah, and I don't think that he was. It's yeah. answered for me, but other people may think differently. Understood. Yeah, I you know, if if you're kind of dipping your toe into the western world, I think this is like a good starting point. I know I say that on every episode about everything, but hey, we pick a lot of good movies. 
Um, I think this would be a good one to start with. Um, and you know, it just, it's a classic showcase of a character of a nameless drifter that he made so popular. So definitely check it out. Well, dad, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on. I really appreciate having you as always. This was really fun. Thank you for introducing this movie that, you know, I'm sure you tried to introduce me to several times as a kid, but I'm more receptive as an adult. You turned out okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me on, and I look forward to next time.